any of you ever worry about anything? Any of you worrying about anything right now? Stress? You're probably sitting there thinking, well, now I am, now that you brought it up. I walked in the house the other day, and Kathy was in the kitchen doing her thing. She's always busy in there. And I looked at her, and I said, are you stressed out? And she goes, looks at me funny. She says, no, why? And I said, well, you kind of look stressed out. She said, well, what would I be stressed out about? And I listed off 10 things. <laughs> she said, well, now I am. Thank you. But I want to talk to you today about worry, anxiety, stress. Uh, give you some quotes that I found that I thought were uh, very good. P.K. Shaw said this, why is it that no matter how busy we are, we still find time to worry? Isn't that the truth? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, sorrow looks back, worry looks around, but faith looks up. And that's what we should do more of. Benjamin Franklin, the wise man, said, do not anticipate trouble or worry about what may never happen. Keep in the sunlight, he said. Corey Tin Boone, who's a hero of many in the faith, said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. E.B. White said, I'm reminded of the advice of my neighbor. Never worry about your heart till it stops beating. That's some good advice, especially if you've had high blood pressure or anything like that. <laughs> Spurgeon said this, Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he said, let your cares drive you to God. I shall not mind if you have many of them, if each one leads you to prayer. If every fret makes you lean more on the beloved, it will be a benefit. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. So I want to talk to you about that. Fret, worry, anxiety, whatever you want to label it. Let's see what the Scripture says. And the Scripture says in Luke 22, And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And isn't that the truth? And he really nails it, doesn't he? Those are a couple of the major things we worry about especially young families. If you've got children, we worry a lot about what we put on the body and what we're going to feed those guys, don't we? School season starting up. If you've got young children, don't you hate it when September rolls around and you've got to go school clothes shopping. That's a terrible time. I never knew how bad it was for my parents until I had children. When I was young, I just thought it was terrible because I had to go try clothes on. And uh, when you start having to pay for those clothes, it's a different story. But Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to put on your body. And don't worry about what you're going to eat because really, he says, there's more to life than that. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as, a, as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? He says, if you can't handle a little thing like adding one hour to the course of your life, why worry about the big things? He goes on, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The lilies are kind of like some of us. We just stand around and look pretty. That's our purpose in life. He says, but if God so clothed the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into heaven, how much more Will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I love the way that passage ends there. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't fret. He says, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
our Heavenly Father loves taking care of us. It's not a burden to Him. He is all-powerful. He can do all things. Those things that stress us out do not stress Him in the least. In fact, if we just turn them over to Him, our stress would vanish, and He'd take care of those things for us. Just seek the kingdom. In 1965, this is a long time ago. Um, It shows how old I am. Uh, I was born in 66, but uh, in 65, Billy Graham wrote this, and I think he was dead on. He said, historians will probably call our era the age of anxiety. Anxiety, he says, is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for us. And wouldn't you say that that pretty much describes the day and age that we live? That we are, we are a generation of anxiety. We take medicine for anxiety. We drink alcohol for anxiety. We get massages for anxiety. We do all sorts of things to cure anxiety, don't we? We're in that age. Everything is so busy. His prediction turned out true. WebMD, and I just caution you, if you have a symptom, don't go to WebMD. You will find that you'll stress more than anything else in all the world. Uh, I had some symptoms a while back and looked it up, and I thought for sure I had pinned it down. And my doctor said, you wouldn't have had that unless you were in the Congo within the last several weeks. But WebMD reports the following about the effects of worry and stress and anxiety. It says, chronic worry and emotional stress can trigger a host of health problems. The problem occurs when fight or flight is triggered daily by excessive worrying and anxiety. The fight or flight response causes the body's sympathetic nervous system to release stress hormones, such as cortisol. These hormones can boost blood sugar levels and triglycerides, which is blood fats, that can be used by the body for fuel. The hormones also cause physical reactions such as, and we'll list those off. And I did a little research on some of this, and do you realize that that chemistry that he's talking about is what causes a lot of people to be overweight? So I've just determined next time I go to the doctor, I'm going to tell him, I am not fat, I'm stressed. Leave me alone. Those chemicals have a lot more to do than just your weight, though. They have to do with things like diabetes. They have things to do with high blood pressure, with heart disease, with all sorts of things. And WebMD, and I believe that to be true, the doctors will tell you, stress will kill you. And so as believers, we've got to do something. Here's some of the the symptoms they describe of stress, anxiety, and fret and worry. It's difficulty swallowing. Obviously, I've not had that problem. (laughs) Dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability. Some of you are looking at your mate right now saying, I know what it is now. (laughs) Muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, and twitching. When excessive fuel in the blood isn't used for those physical activities, he goes on to say, it causes other things to take place, such as suppression of the immune system. We get sick more often because we're always worried and we're always stressed and these chemicals get off. We have digestive disorders. We have Things like acid reflux. We have things like ulcers. We don't digest our food right. We have muscle tension, which is when you tighten up. There's occasionally times when I get really stressed out and I don't realize it, and I look in the mirror, and my shoulder is practically even with the top of my head because my neck carries my stress. Muscle tension, short memory loss, premature coronary artery disease, and heart attack. I don't know about you, but I don't want any of those things. Amen? And if 
just taking care of worry and anxiety would solve a lot of that, I'm all for it. Let me just suggest this. He goes on and says, if we don't deal with this, it can lead to even more serious things such as depression and suicidal thoughts. That's what stress and worry will do to us. And just a, just a, a note, there are times, amen, when we have physical symptoms when we definitely need to see a doctor, when we definitely need to talk to someone. So don't let anyone tell you when you're sick that it's just because you're full of the devil and we've got to cast that demon out. There are times you better talk to a doctor. There are diseases and there are sicknesses that need medical attention. So don't try to treat everything with the spiritual touch. So how do we deal with this anxiety? I ran across an article by Max Lucado, and he told the story. He said there was a man that once worried so much that he decided to hire someone to do his worrying for him. Wouldn't that be nice? That's probably what Donald Trump does, amen? I don't worry about a thing. I've paid somebody to do it for me. So he found a man that agreed to be his hired worrier. And he told him he'd pay him a salary of $200,000 per year. Now, that's pretty good. I'll worry for $200,000 a year. I already do it for much less. So he hires this man for $200,000 a year to be his worrier. And after the man accepts his job, the first thing he asks his boss is, where are you going to get the $200,000 a year to pay me? And the boss said, I don't know. That's what I paid you to worry about. (laughs) So worrying cannot be handed off. We have got to deal with it ourselves. So I want to talk to you about defeating worry in our life. And the passage there in Luke 12, 25 said, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? And so sometimes we, we want to make things smaller than they really are, but also I think a lot of times we make things bigger than they really are. There was a proverb I ran across the other day that said, worry gives smaller, small things a bigger shadow than they should have. It just makes small things big. So this morning, let me give you some things. The first one is this. In calming worry in this age is turn your worries and cares over to God. And that sounds so simple, and yet we forget to do that very often. That we forget just to turn it over to God, to pray. And I know that those of you that do that will also say, it's easier said than done. That we can pray and we can say, God, take this away from me. But as soon as we get up and walk away, it's not too long, it comes back. And the answer to that is pray again. And keep praying and keep trusting God. Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry. And that's pretty good advice. 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Those days when the load is so heavy you just don't know how you could go on. Those days when you look at things going on in your life and you have statements like, if if just one more thing happens, I don't know if I can continue. Or those days when we're just weighed down with everything. You ever have those days when it just nothing else could possibly go wrong because everything's already wrong? He said, take those days and take all the weight of those worries, all these anxieties, and cast them to God. Turn them over to God, and he will care for you. He's powerful. He is almighty. He carries the the world on his shoulders. He holds the universe in its place. He created all that we see around us. There is nothing too big for God. In fact, someone once said, if your problems are too big, it's because your God is too small. 
Maybe our view of God needs to be changed. Uh, The New Living Translation says the same verse this way. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Turn it over to him. He already cares about you. He'll, He'll take care of those things. And so the very first thing that we need to do is just turn your worries and cares over to the Lord. Let go of them. And that's probably the biggest problem we have is just simply letting go. You ever give somebody something and uh, when you go to take it, you just kind of hold on to it and play tug of war a little bit just to be mean? That's what we kind of do with God sometimes is we pray and we go through the motions and we're spiritual. I'm going to turn this over to God, but we never really let go of it. We just struggle with it. And I'm afraid that there are times like that, and then God says, I could just take it from you if I wanted. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to let go and let you carry it just a little longer by yourself. And it's almost until we are so worn out and so weary and so willing to finally lay it down that God steps in and begins to carry those things for us. Turn your cares and worries over to the Lord. The second thing that we can do is we need to praise God for his goodness. And that sounds very difficult, doesn't it? In the midst of my worry, in the midst of my stress, to take time to praise God. But it will do wonders for you. In the Old Testament, King Saul had many problems. There were times when he was right with God, and there were times when he was wrong with God. The wrong with God side won out most of the time. There's an interesting passage, though, when the Bible says an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. And so what he did was he called for a musician, David, the future king, He called for a musician to come and play music for him. And we know the book of Psalms. And I have no doubt that when David stood before Saul with his harp or whatever instrument he chose, that when he played for him, he played the Psalms. And those Psalms, the Bible says Saul would listen to them, and it said that spirit would depart from him. Music is powerful. Praise is powerful. Just lifting up God. When you've got those days when it seems like everything has gone wrong, take time to list everything that's gone right. We ask the question so many times, why do bad things happen to good people? We need to turn it around maybe and ask the question, why do good things happen to bad people? Because when we look around our lives, folks, we are truly blessed. We really are. Your car broke down this morning. You're blessed. You even have a car. And somehow or another, you made it here. What a blessing that is to have a friend you can call. Your shoes got a hole in them this morning. You discovered it when you stepped into the puddle of water out in your driveway. Praise God for the rain that made the puddle. Amen. And praise him for the shoes you have because there's many that don't. Praise God for his goodness. H.A. Ironside said this, We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving, he says, is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. And I believe that one of the reasons that we worry so much is we simply are discontented. We're not satisfied with what we have. We're worried that we don't have enough. That somehow or another, I need to stock up more. I need to pile more together because surely I'm going to run out. Let's take time to praise God. The old song we sang, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Take time to praise God. A third thing is this. Stay busy serving God. Stay busy serving God. The old, I, the old saying is that idle minds are the devil's workshop. They'll get us into trouble. But an idle mind will also cause us to worry and fret. 
Stay busy serving the Lord. Leo Aikman said this, Blessed is the person who is too busy to worry in the daytime and too sleepy to worry at night. I like that. I'm so busy, amen, I just don't have time to worry. And then when I go home, I'm so tired because I've been busy all day that I fall asleep and don't worry at night either. You know who worries the most? Many times it's those who do the least because they have so much time to think about all that's wrong with life, all that's wrong in this world. Stay busy for the Lord. If you have those moments when you're there and and you're alone and those feelings of worry and anxiety are overtaking you, do all that you can. Force yourself to get up and go do something. Do something for God. Serve him. Call someone. Go visit someone in the hospital. Go down to the rest home and talk to someone that's there. It'll amaze you how quickly the worry will disappear. Stay busy. Isaiah 26, Isaiah said this, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God keeps us in peace. We avoid worry by just simply keeping our mind focused on him. But what do we do? Worry comes in and we focus on the problem, don't we? I don't have time to read my Bible now because I've got to figure out how to fix this problem. I don't have time to pray right now. We can pray later. It's not dinner time yet. I've got to worry about how to fix this problem going on in my life. And we focus on the problem rather than focusing on God. Stay busy serving the Lord. Find something to do in the church. Find something to do in the community. But stay busy. Next is this. Remember that God is in control. God is in control. He's in control of everything. And that's hard for some folks to admit, amen? There are those folks that we call control freaks, right? They have to control everything. They control where we eat. They control what time we eat. They control what we wear when we eat. They control it all. But the truth is God's in control. And when we try to control our lives, anxiety and stress and worry will take over because there is no possible way we can ever balance everything completely. God's in control. Do you know this? There are some things that are simply out of our control. There are things we can do, certainly. There are other things that we have no control over. In fact, you can do your best to stay healthy. You can exercise. You can run or jog. I don't know why anyone runs or jogs. You can eat well. You can sleep well. You can do all the right things to be healthy. And do you realize you could still get a disease? Some things are just out of your control. You could be a good employee. You could work well and get there early and start the day early and and give the boss 100% all day long, clock out late even and stay the extra, and yet you could lose your job. The economy could turn. Some things are just out of our control. You could lay up for yourself for the future, and that's a wise thing to do, the Bible says. Save and plan for tomorrow. And maybe you've done that your whole life. You've invested and you've got money. And we saw a week just like the last few weeks and the stock market comes tumbling down. You did everything right. But there are some things out of your control. Don't ever forget that God is in control. David said that he was young and now he's old. He said there's two things that he's never seen. The righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. God will take care of you. And Jesus told us in our text this morning, don't worry about what you're going to eat. 
Don't worry about what you're going to wear or where you're going to live. He says, the whole world worries about those things. He says, you put me first in your life. He says, I already know what you need, and I delight in meeting those needs. Remember that God is in control. June Hunt said, worry is most often a prideful way of thinking that you have more control over life and its circumstances than you actually do. Psalms 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. That'd be a good verse for some of us to meditate on, amen? Don't forget that He's God. We're His creation. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep in the pasture. He's in control. We're not. Lean into God. Lean into God and realize that God is in control. Next is this. Maintain a rich relationship with God. You want to defeat stress and worry in your life? Have a rich relationship with God. The closer you and I are to God, the better equipped we are to handle whatever tomorrow holds. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's a hero of mine, said this, earthly goods deceive the human heart into believing that they give it security and freedom from worry. But in truth, they are what cause anxiety. Think about that. The very things that we think sometimes make our life secure might be the things that cause our anxiety. And if I only had this, and then I get it, and now I'm stressed about taking care of it. If I only had more money, and then I get more money, and I stress about it. Where should I put it? Where should I keep it? Should I hide it and bury it? Should I invest it? What do I do with it? In Luke 12, Jesus tells a parable. Verse 16, it says, He told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Wouldn't that be a great year? His crops produce so well, he has nowhere to put it. That's one of those things we like to call a good problem to have. He says, what am I going to do? And in 18, he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And Jesus taught him parables. And to the folks that he was dealing with, that made a lot of sense. And to some of you who've grown up on the farm, you get what he's talking about here. Some of us didn't grow up on the farm. We're city folks. But I think we understand the principle, don't we? Because when we prosper, generally what we do is we get bigger things. Man, what am I going to do? I I got this great job. I got a great sale. I think I'll buy a bigger house. It's an investment for the future. Until the stock market or until the real estate market crashes. Man, what do I do with all this money? I I think I'll buy a nicer car. I deserve that. We understand what he did. He took and he spent and and he thought that everything was well. Verse 19, he said, And then I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I always stop there. It always interests me that he speaks to his soul. He says, soul, you've got everything you need. Relax. 
eat, drink, be merry. And the reality is he had done nothing for his soul. He had his physical needs met. They were stored up for him. He would always have grain in the barn. He'd have money from those crops. That had nothing to do with his soul, did it? But God said to him in verse 20, Fool. King James says, Thou fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, we sometimes get into this idea that it's material things that are going to take away my worries. Once I have all these things, I can relax. I can eat. I can drink. I can celebrate because I am taken care of for life. But God reminds us there's no guarantee of when this life ends. He speaks to this man. He says, this very night your life ends. And you've got things stored up for the next 10 years thinking you're okay. And he says, who, who are they going to belong to next? Not you. Not you. I'm always reminded when I read this of the bumper sticker you see on many folks' RVs. They've retired, and they're out traveling across the United States, and they always have that little bumper sticker that says, we're spending our kids' inheritance. That's somebody that got the wisdom of the parable. It's going to be left to someone else. And the reality is, your kids are going to get it. Uncle Sam may get a big chunk of it. But you and I are not taking it with us, folks. And he says, that's the danger for those who lay up treasure for yourself and are not rich towards God. You see, when we have this rich relationship with God, when we know that he is our Savior, when we know that our name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, when we know and understand how much He loves us and how well He can provide for us, when we have that kind of relationship that is a relationship of perfect trust, then we can say, relax, God's in control. Relax, God has this. I don't need to worry about this because God's looking out for we can deal with our stress that way. I ran across a story that I liked, and I'll close with this. It was a pastor who had been on a long flight. He'd been back east preaching at a conference, and as he's coming back on the airplane, and I don't know if you're stressed on airplanes. I kind of do. I don't like being confined in small places, and I don't like the idea of falling thousands of feet from the sky either. That saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, always scares me a bit. The pastor had been on this long flight, and the first warning of the approaching problems, he said, came when the sign on the airplane flashed on, fasten your seatbelts. Then after a while, a calm voice, and it's always a calm voice, isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a few problems. We're going to take care of things. Don't worry about it. And you know behind that door, that pilot is freaking out himself. But the calm voice comes over and it says, we will not be serving beverages at this time. We are expecting a little turbulence. Please be sure to fasten your seatbelts again. And he looked around the aircraft and he said it was becoming obvious that many of the other passengers were a little apprehensive too. Just a little bit later, the voice of the announcer came on again and says, we're sorry that we're unable to serve the meal at this time. The turbulence is still ahead of us. And then he said... It hit. 
the storm broke. He said there were cracks of thunder that were so loud they could be heard above the roar of the airplane. The windows would light up with the flash of the lightning. And within moments, he said the airplane felt like a cork on the ocean being tossed everywhere. He said one moment the airplane was lifted up like an elevator going 1,000 miles an hour, and the next he said it dropped straight down like it was going to crash. And he confessed in his writing that it scared him. But he said he looked around the airplane, and there was this little girl sitting on one of the seats. And she had a book out, and she had her legs crossed. Wouldn't it be nice to be that small? You can sit Indian-style in an airplane seat. She sat Indian-style in an airplane seat. Her seatbelt was on, but she just read her book like nothing was happening. And he said he just watched her, and she'd laugh at things in the book, and then she'd kind of lay her head back and then go back to the book reading, and nothing seemed to phase her. It just didn't bother her. And so when they got off the airplane, he stood behind and waited for this little girl to come off the plane. And he talked to her and he said, that was quite a storm, wasn't it? And she said, yeah, that was a good, good storm. And he goes, I noticed that it didn't seem to bother you at all. Why is that? And she looked at him and she said, well, that's easy. My dad is the pilot. <laughs> and he's taking me home right now. You know what? It's a lot of times when we're going to face some storms in this life. And it's going to feel like we're about ready to crash and burn. We're going to be up one moment and down the next. The winds of change are going to come in and life will change drastically at times. You know those storms, don't you? There are things like finances, like health, like family, like jobs, all these things that we worry about, physical, mental, financial, domestic, all these storms that threaten us. And to be honest, they scare us sometimes, don't they? And we might even worry about them a little bit and fret about them and stress. But one thing I think that we should always remember is that our Father is the pilot. And much like that little girl, we should be able to be calm and trust that he's going to take us home, that we're going to get where we're going. Remember the disciples, Jesus told them to get into a ship and go to the other side. Very specific, he said, get in the boat and go to the other side, and I'll meet you there. They get in the boat, and they do exactly what he said, and a storm came along. And the winds blew, and the waves were crazy, and, and they were panicked, and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus comes and he stills the water. He rebukes them a little and says, Oh, ye of little faith. You see, he told them, Get in the boat, go to the other side, and I'll see you there. They should have already known they would be okay. He said, I'll see you on the other side. You and I should know that we're going to be okay if God is our God. But that last thing, listen. We cannot have that kind of peace unless we have a rich relationship with God. And that rich relationship with God begins with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that you can't know God, the Father, except through Jesus Christ, the Son. So unless you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you can't really say, my Father's the pilot. 
until you've surrendered your life to him, you're still flying the airplane. Develop that relationship with God. It starts at salvation. But folks, just because we get saved doesn't mean it all stops there. That's just the beginning of our relationship with Christ. What are you doing to develop a rich relationship?